this is Pastor Nate Ward with Open Door Church, and I wanted to take a moment to welcome you to our podcast. It's my personal prayer that you would be encouraged and encountered by the Holy Spirit and challenged by His Word. May the Lord bless you and stir faith as you listen to this week's message. We're jumping into a sermon series on what it means to be a partner in vision. Um, not just with this church, but with the Holy Spirit and with the Lord. And what that, uh, what that looks like and what that constitutes is um, something very unique to our church, um, where we've highlighted four different areas where we're inviting you as people. And if you're visiting with us today and this is not your home church, uh, this applies to any church or any kind of congregation that you might be a part of, but to invite with what the Holy Spirit is doing in order to be healthily involved in a church. Something I I need you to understand is that you guys have very clear expectations of me as a pastor, right? You expect me to prepare and study. You expect me to read the word. You expect me to be a man of integrity and character. There's expectations of me as a minister, correct? If you guys don't have expectations, um, okay, Uh, but you should have expectations of me and you should have expectations of any pastor that you're sitting under and that you're listening to on a consistent basis. But I think some of the thi- one of the things that the American church has failed to do is adequately express the expectations of a church body that the Lord has from it. Does that make sense? Um, so as much so as you have expectations of me to do my duty and perform, there are expectations that are laid out in Scripture for you as a member in the body of Christ that you are to fulfill that I or Pastor Adam or Pastor Daniel cannot do. Does that resonate this morning? Does that make sense? I know that isn't like something that you want to shout, amen, yay, responsibility, but it's true. (laughs) There is responsibility on your part, and what this partnership series is going to attempt to explain very briefly is what your role is in regards to the church. Um, This time last year, uh, we made uh, some revisions to our church bylaws, which is kind of interesting. And we we went in and we changed the name membership because we believe wholeheartedly here at Open Door Church that you are a member of the body of Christ if you've accepted the Lord Jesus into your heart and you've invited him in to make residence and you consider him your Lord and Savior. I believe you're globally a member of the body of Christ. And we wanted to we didn't want to have this idea of membership as something that was like this exclusive country club kind of idea that if you want to become a member of Open Door Church, that you're entitled to special benefits or something like that. And so we changed it to this idea of partnership because I believe that partnership connotates an investment into what the Lord's doing here. So when we're inviting you to partner with Open Door Church, we're inviting you to take a, take a little bit of ownership of what God's doing here. And all that to say... Um, we're going to highlight the first pillar of partnership here this morning, and uh, that is the partnership and aspect of prayer. Uh, so you guys can follow along with me. I'm going to invite um, Austin here. He's got these partnership pledge cards. Some of you have signed these in the past. Some of you have read them in the past. Um, I don't want anybody to fill these out today. We're actually going to collect these at the end of the day. Um, I just want you to have these to kind of follow along with us as we go through this teaching. Um, Here at the end of this four-week series, we are going to invite you to um, commit to partnering with what the Lord's doing here 
at Open Door Church by signing one of these cards. Um, but we want you to know what you're committing to. We felt like that the Sunday morning avenue was appropriate for moving forward. And so as you guys have these, you guys can feel free to read over them. Um, but I just want you to, to have them for a moment. Can I tell you that there has been a partnership with God throughout the entirety of Scripture? In fact, if you look in Genesis 1, and uh, we don't need to turn there, but God creates man and he says, let us make him in our own image and we're going to set him to rule and reign over the earth, over all the living creatures, over all the plants, and it's going to be a good thing. Can I tell you right now, God did not need mankind to rule over anything. Right? We understand God is the supreme ruler. He sits on the throne. He is the one that made heaven and earth. I mean, he, he didn't need help somehow in governing his creation. He was completely competent and capable of doing so. But yet he released some of that responsibility under, unto mankind, unto his creation, because it's, it's, this, it's this truth that you'll see painted throughout the scriptures is that he loves to partner with his creation. He loves to partner with mankind in seeing his will come across the earth because it's in that relational aspect of his nature that we see him receive the most glory in this life. And so for very briefly, very very frankly, you need to understand this truth that God's desire even from the garden was partnership with man. And we we, in our arrogance, in our sinful nature, in our tendency towards rebellion, put a divide in that partnership with God. But that's what he died to restore in our lives. That's what he went um, through death, burial, and resurrection in order to restore a partnership with God. In fact, uh, all throughout Scripture, we're referred to as a holy priesthood. Um, if you read in Exodus chapter 19, you guys can turn with me there if you want to. Um, sounds like they're having fun downstairs. Uh, beginning in verse 5, I, I just want to read this. This is what the Lord was saying to his people Israel. It says, now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on the earth. All the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This was the decree that was given to his people in the very beginning. We read about the fulfillment of this in Revelations chapter 1, verse 6. It says that Jesus himself, through his death on the cross, actually made us a holy priesthood, a kingdom of priests. We see that same kind of language in First Peter chapter 2, where we're referred to as a holy priesthood. We're referred to as a kingdom of priests again. And this concept and this notion of God referring to his people, God's people, the saints of God as priests, Gives this, um, gives this connotation with it that there is responsibility placed upon your shoulders to do something for the Lord. And uh, I want to talk about what that is. And I believe that, uh, I believe that this, this notion of responsibility when it comes to serving the Lord 
as people is primarily carried out in the place of prayer. And I, I wrote this down. I, I believe contrary to popular belief, prayer is not just a passive reaction to circumstances in which we wait for God to do something. And it's like saying, if his will be done. You know, I shared this morning in our, in our time of prayer just with a, a few of our, our pastors here. As we were asking the Lord to move, I think a lot of the times we can ask, Lord, uh, let your will be done as kind of a cop-out for not having faith for him to do something. Does that make sense? Um, when I say that, because, well, Lord, ha- let your will be done, and then if nothing happens, then we're off the hook. It must not have been his will. Can I tell you that he's revealed his will in Scripture, that his will is to save, his will is to heal, his will is to deliver, his will is to baptize by fire and give the Holy Spirit. We see that clearly painted throughout Picture. So when we're asking, Lord, let your will be done in this place, uh, in this hour, in this moment, we're asking for those things to come to fruition. It's not a get-off-the-hook prayer, Lord. We're praying, Lord, let your will happen today. And then if something bad happens or, or, or somebody doesn't get healed and we're saying, you know what, it wasn't the will of the Lord, I think that that is an insufficient revelation of what it means to ask for his will to come to fruition. Does that make sense? And so I share that because I believe that um, as we wait for God and as we ask God to move and as we, as we labor in the place of prayer, it's more so than just this kind of passive reaction to circumstance. Or we're asking God, Lord, let your will be done. I believe that prayer is, in fact, a divine partnership between God and man. And that we have a rightful place and a role to play in the place of prayer. I love what Charles Spurgeon said about prayer and its relation to the church. He says, prayer meetings were the arteries of the early church. Through them, life-sustaining power was derived. The condition of the church may be very accurately gauged by its prayer meetings. So is the prayer meeting a graceometer, and from it we may judge the amount of divine working among a people. If God be near a church, it must pray. And if he be not there, one of the first tokens of his absence will be a slothfulness in prayer. Friends, I believe as a I extend this invitation to partnership. Uh, I gave a brief explanation of it, and I'm trying to very much condense my notes this morning. I believe the Lord has invited us in this role of partnership with him, and the conduit by which we actually become partners with the Holy Spirit and his will to see it come to fruition on the earth is through the place of prayer. And that's why the first pillar of partnership, I feel like that's some kind of, multi-level marketing scheme kind of thing. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's not what it is, friends. We're not, <laughs> that's not what it is. But anyway, I shouldn't have said that. Um, a partnership pledge, a pillar of partnership. It's, what, it's the way the Lord shared it with me, so I wrote it down. It's, it's, a, it's alliteration or whatnot, something like that. I don't know. I don't remember English class. But um, if you read on the back of this partnership pledge, and there's a place for you to put your, um, put your name in, I wrote it here is that there's a commitment to actively partnering with the Holy Spirit and Open Door Church in the following areas. And uh, the first one is, I commit to pray for Open Door Church, its leadership, and partner with the vision to establish a culture of prayer 
in Pagosa Springs. And so as we're talking about partnering with prayer and we're kind of going over this partnership pledge, I wanted to hit on a few of these things because um, throughout the New Testament, we see Paul imploring the churches of the day to pray for them. And he's also mentioning this uh, kind of recurring thought that he's praying for the churches. And um, I just want you to know that your pastors in this church desperately covet and need your prayer. Uh, There are so many things that happen, so much stuff that would try to distract us from the work of the Lord that um, to see fruitful, effective ministry take place here, it can't just ride upon the prayer lives of Pastor Daniel, Adam, and I. Um, We pray, and, and we seek the Lord, and we do that to the best of our ability. But we also encourage you as a church to pray for us. Pray against Satan's schemes and attacks. You know, um, somebody shared at a deeper project on Wednesday night that they were praying for wisdom for their young pastoral staff. Can I tell you, we need that (laughs) desperately. I mean, you almost lost half of your pastoral staff, two-thirds of your pastoral staff this last Wednesday because we were busy being stupid. And uh, (laughs) thank the Lord for grace, amen? Um, we, we, almost, we, we almost rolled off a cliff, and we didn't. <laughs> so, not Adam. Adam was busy <laughs> not dying. <laughs> and Drew had the discernment not to come with us, even though he had the invitation. He's like, you guys are going jeeping in the snow? No, I don't want to go. <laughs> that doesn't sound like fun. But we're here, and we're alive, and it's okay. Praise the Lord. You know it's bad if Pastor Daniel and I are both outside the vehicle and we're both praying in tongues, thinking, like, what is going to happen? We're trying to pray the vehicle back up off the cliff, and the Lord is good, and I've never been more terrified in my life. And if you want to hear more about that story, uh, talk to me later. I'm intentionally leaving out details so you don't think I'm a horrible person. Um, (laughs) Praise Jesus. Um, Yes, pray for wisdom for your pastoral staff. We desperately need it, and uh, we desperately um, covet those prayers. I say this because, you know, my message this morning is kind of um, going around in a couple different circles because we did so much teaching on prayer, but I had just a few things that I felt like the Lord laid upon my heart in preparation for stepping into this week of prayer. We don't, we didn't, this wasn't like coincidence or anything. We intentionally planned on jumping into this teaching series right around this week of prayer um, because we want to give you an opportunity to respond to something that we're, we're laying out here as an expectation. One of the things that I've learned in leadership um, over the last course of uh, just a few years of having people that are under me and reporting to me and those things is that um, we can never we can never hold somebody to an expectation that's not clearly communicated. And we always wind up living in the place of disappointment because of failed expectation. And uh, for me, uh, being able to clearly communicate something uh, has been a struggle for a long time. And uh, by the grace of the Lord, I, I believe that he's working on that within our staff and those things. But I want you to know that there is an expectation not from me, not just from me, I'll say, not just from the pastoral staff, but from Jesus himself 
in Scripture that the expectation is that you would be a praying people, not the exception. That's why Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Because the expectation of the Lord is that you are a praying people. A lot of the times we can file away that the people that go to prayer meetings, the people that get up early and spend an hour in the morning seeking the Lord, that that is kind of the exception to the norm. We can kind of place them on a higher pedestal and say, you know what, that's for the radical Christians, that's for the radical ones that are really way over the top into this Jesus stuff, and it's not realistic for everybody else. That's for the pastors, that's for the evangelists, that's for the teachers, that's for those that are in full-time ministry, but that cannot be for me. Can I tell you, that is not what the expectation of Jesus is. And so that's why we're offering this invitation to join and partner with us in prayer, not just personally on a private level, but also when we call corporate prayer meetings. You know, we have a, a corporate prayer meeting that happens every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock here in the sanctuary, much like a, we'll have every night this week. We have a pre-service prayer meeting that begins at uh, 9 o'clock every Sunday morning. And it's not just because we're trying to find um, something to fill up time with. It's because we believe that God actually responds to our voice. It's because we believe that God loves to hear his people come together in the place of prayer. And it's in that place that God releases expectation for him to do something, and he also meets that expectation. And I want you to know that because we don't just pray all the time. We don't have prayer meetings all the time just because, you know, we're bored. And that's what we're, we don't have anything better to do. We do so because we carve out time intentionally because we believe God meets us in the place of prayer. Throughout Scripture, we see contingencies built into the promises of God. You'll say, whoa, what, Nate? Are you saying that uh, the promises of God are based upon my behavior? And I would say 100% without a shadow of a doubt, yes. That doesn't mean that you can earn the promises of God. That doesn't mean you can earn the gifts of God by being good. But the promises of God, more often than not, I'm not saying every single one of them, are contingent upon your action. And you'd say, well, that means God's not sovereign. God has no power. That's not true. That's an inferior revelation of the sovereignty of God. What I would say here is this, that the promises of Scripture often revolve around this um, notion of if there is an if, then there is a then. That's, I realize that's hard to follow, but let me give you an example. Like Second Chronicles chapter 7, right? We hear that there's this promise that the Lord will hear from, hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land, right? But that whole verse in context says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That then is completely contingent upon the if. It's not this idea that God's going to miraculously move in, though he can. I'm not saying that he can't. That's not putting God in a box saying that he can't just in his sovereignty do what he wants to do. But it says here the contingency of this promise of the Lord to hear from heaven, to forgive their sin and heal their land, is completely contingent upon the if that my people would call, who are called by name, would humble themselves pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. 
you know, Joel chapter 2, there's this promise that he would pour out spirit, his spirit upon all flesh, that his sons and daughters would prophesy, that his young men would dream dreams, and your, or his young men would see visions, and his old men would dream dreams, and he'd pour out his spirit upon both his maidservant and his manservant. It's a beautiful promise. We love to quote it in prayer meetings. It gets us fired up because we're Pentecostal, and that's what we do, and we're like, yeah, pour out your spirit, God. That's a good thing. That's an exciting thing. But do you know that that verse, that passage of Scripture begins with, then I will pour out my spirit? And it's talking about in response to, if you will rend your hearts and not your garments. If you'll come to me with fasting, weeping, and mourning. If you'll call a, a sacred assembly and you'll bring in the bride from her bride chamber and you'll bring in the bridegroom that was preparing to get married, bring in the children, even the babies. That's what it says. Bring in the priest that's weeping between the, the porch and the altar. If you'll bring them together, if you'll come to me and turn with me with your whole heart and you'll rend your, gar- you'll rend your hearts and not your garments, then... I'll I'll meet the practical needs of your real famine problem, but I'll also pour out my spirit. A lot of the times we live in this place where we want to think that there's no responsibility on our part, and it's all up to God to do something. And I I understand where that thinking comes from. I understand how, how it would be dangerously naive of us to think that we could somehow earn the response of God. Or how we could somehow be good enough that God wants to bless us and do something for us. I I don't want to navigate into that territory, but there is also a responsibility because of his desire for partnership with man that he gives us responsibility. I mean, think about it. I'm not not here in my relationship with my son yet, um, but... uh, I remember my dad giving me responsibility and giving me things to do that he was completely capable in and of himself to do. Um, maybe part of it was that he just didn't want to, you know, rake up all the poop from the dog in the backyard. But <laughs> I remember the first time that he asked me to do that, that there was responsibility there that was given to me or, or any kind of chore. It wasn't necessarily because he couldn't do it, but he loved Um, giving me a sense of responsibility and accomplishment. And he was the one that equipped and enabled me to do something. In the same way, that's the partnership that we get to experience with our Heavenly Father. It's not this idea of, you know what, I just need you to do this because I can't do it or I don't want to do it. But I want to see you succeed in this. And I want to partner with you in experiencing that success. And I believe that the primary way, again, that we do that is through the place of prayer. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. I don't even know why I have my notes up because it doesn't make any sense as I'm trying to read them. It does, but there's just so much on here that I'm kind of skimming and picking. Uh Uh-oh. I just set my Bible down on my keyboard, and it just typed a bunch of backslashes. So I was trying to get back to my notes. Technology, don't we love it? (laughs) Ephesians chapter 4, friends.
I got a new Bible, so it's not as easy to turn to everything. But I'm very thankful um, to Mark and Tina. They got me a New Living Translation Bible for Christmas. And I was very excited about that because I asked for one. I should ask for more things in my messages. What am I looking for? Ephesians chapter 4. Okay. (laughs) In verse 11, I just really want to highlight this here. It says, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So to stop right there, I can officially say to you that I am God's gift to this church. I'm God's gift to mankind. And I don't have to, I'm just kidding. Kind of. That I'm not kidding because that's what scripture says. But probably a poor time to make a joke. But these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teacher. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So by this definition, by this brief passage of scripture here in, um, in Ephesians, whose responsibility is it to do ministry? Okay, some people got it. It's actually your responsibility, every single one of you that is sitting in a chair right now and listening to me, the responsibility to build the church, the responsibility to do the work of ministry. So when you think about ministry, what do we think about? We think about evangelism. We think about um, being the hands and feet of Jesus, serving the poor. And that doesn't exclude, that doesn't mean it's not my responsibility either because I'm part of the church. But primarily, The goal and the end all of ministry is carried out by his church, by his people, which is you that's sitting in a seat right now, not the guy with the microphone. I do have a responsibility. I do have a need and a necessity to teach and to equip you according to Scripture, but the actual responsibility falls upon you. That's kind of a scary thing because if I'm not equipping you properly and I'm not giving you outlets and I'm not, and we're not, uh, as a pastoral staff, creatively um, encouraging you guys to serve in the body of Christ, we're neglecting to do our job. And so I say this because what our desire is going forward into 2018, it could be very summed up with a phrase that Adam uses all the time, and it's that we want to make disciples who will make disciples. Because, you know, our, our, our responsibility as pastors is not to go and reach Pagosa Springs with the gospel. That's your responsibility. That doesn't mean we're not engaged. That doesn't mean we're not active in it. That doesn't mean that we're not contending for it and that we're equipping you to do it. But inevitably, the building of the church falls upon your shoulders as the body of Christ, as saints in the gospel, as saints in the church. And I share that not as a rebuke, but as an encouragement, because I feel like so many, um, so many people that I've talked to over the number over a number of years that, you know, they're saying, well, you know what? It's just I'm just in the church, and I'm here to support your work, Pastor, or I'm here to believe in what you're doing. Can I tell you that? The role really needs to be reversed, that we're here as your pastors because we believe what the Lord wants to do through you is worthwhile. And I believe, again, that that comes through being connected to the Lord in prayer. 
in 1 Corinthians 3, there's kind of this little spat between, um, well, between people about who they're going to follow. If they're going to follow Paul or they're going to follow Apollos or if they're going to follow Jesus. And uh, Paul kind of gives some correction here and says, you know what, it's not about any of that. Following Jesus, yes. But um, we're basically one family. And he, he ends it with this and he says, for we are co-laborers. Some translation even says partners. So we are partners together with God because you are God's vineyard and you are God's building. Now, this Greek word here that's used for partners or co-laborers is uh, synergos. Syner, synergos. I, I don't speak Greek, guys. I'm sorry. Um, but it's synergos. Ghosts. Probably ghosts. Synergos. And it means a companion in the work. And uh, it's actually where we get the English word for the word synergy, talking about, you know, where if you come together with somebody in a like mind or in a like field, um, that it actually multiplies your effectiveness. And that's what um, I believe as we partner with the Holy Spirit, that we actually partner with one another, because he's here talking about the work of Paul and Apollos, that if we're working together, um, that there will be a synergy that takes place as we partner with the Holy Spirit and we partner with one another, it will multiply the effectiveness of the work ahead of us or of our work ahead of us. And I believe, again, the primary place that we partner with the Lord is in the place of prayer. All of this, all of this is... Um, essentially boiled down to a single idea is that we as a church, if we're going to effectively see the will of the Lord come to fruition this year in 2018, we as your pastoral staff cannot make that happen. Pastor Daniel, Pastor Adam, myself, Drew, who is an intern here, we can't say the right things or do the right things or plan the right events or put the money in the right place in the budget in order to see the will of the Lord come to fruition without your partnership, without your willingness to come alongside and join us in the vision that the Lord has given us in order to see it carried out into fruition. And we believe here at Open Door Church that the primary way that we do that is joining together in the place of prayer. We believe that serves as the central backbone. You know, there's other, there's other aspects here that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about fellowship. We're going to talk about service. We're even going to talk about stewardship. And I'm not just talking about your money there. Please don't get scared by that. But those are things that we're going to talk about. But all of those are, are very minute compared to this first one. And that's why we've listed it first. That's why we've talked about it first. Because we believe the rest of them kind of follow naturally if we can nail down this one place of partnering with us in prayer. And so our invitation to you as a staff, our invitation to you as a church is one, to pray for us. Pray for our church. Pray for the pastors here. And seek the Lord for yourself. Because our inevitable goal is to establish a culture of prayer in the city and in this community. And if you... If that is like, well, you know what, I can't sign up for that. I can't join up with that. I can't, that's not who I am. One, I would caution you to really seek the Lord on it. And uh, 
But we really just want to invite you to pray. That's our invitation. That's my invitation this morning. That's my message this morning is I want to invite you to be a part of what the Lord's doing here by praying for us and praying with us. Does that make sense? Because we need you. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, one of our prayer needs is that we need a children's pastor. We want a worship leader. We want all these things. Adam's doing a great job in worship, but we, we want to hire somebody else. Um, we we want to be able to do those things. But the, the realistic thing here is that what the Lord has kind of been laying upon our hearts and sharing is that we don't need more staff here at the church to do more things. We need your commitment to be a part of the body of Christ. And I'm so thankful because I look out and I, I, I know most of you, some of you are visiting today and you're like, wow, this is weird. Um, but <laughs> those of you that are here, um, I can look and say, you know what, you've been here through thick and thin. You've been consistent. Um, but as we move forward into 2018, we really want to see a new degree of partnership with the Holy Spirit in the place of prayer um, because we know that if you can connect with us there, that we can be we can depend on you for the other things that need to take place. Does that make sense? So I wanted to end this morning by praying. So I'm going to invite us to stand. And we've we've talked in our staff meetings and things about how we have a desire to have a time of response in every service. We want to have a, an altar call of some sorts and give an opportunity for people to respond to the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I'm going to deliberately not do that. And you're going to say, well, what, Pastor Nate? That's weird. Um, I want to inconvenience you a little bit and give you an opportunity to respond this evening. Because we're going to have an intentional time of prayer together as a church and really put into practice what we're talking about here this morning. And you'll say, well, I've got stuff planned. I've got family coming over. I've got to work early in the morning. Um, please know that nobody's going to judge you if you can't make it. And that's not the heart here. We're not going to outcast you or anything like that. But we do want to give an earnest invitation for you to join us this next week in just asking the Lord to do what he wants to do. We're going to have worship tonight and, and those things. And if you're, man, I don't know what to do at a prayer meeting, those things. Um, we'd encourage you just to come. And we'd encourage you guys to just be as mildly involved as you can um, because I believe it's in that place that the Lord will ignite a passion for the place of prayer. And he will, uh, he will do so and meet, um, meet anticipation, I believe. So, Father, I thank you for my friends in this room. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing this new year. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you've given us an invitation to partner with you in prayer. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that the responsibility has been given to the entire body of Christ, not just to a few select individuals, but Lord, that there isn't some kind of degree of uh, your pleasure or joy with somebody that is somehow easily more obtained because they're a pastor or a teacher, but Lord, you love to connect with all creation. Lord, you love to connect with every single person in the body of Christ and uh, that you've given us all equal access by your blood. You've given us all the same Holy Spirit we all read from the same Holy Bible. And Lord, we believe that um, we believe that even though our responsibilities might look a, a little uniquely different from one to another, God, Lord, that we all carry the same burden of prayer. 
we all carry the same call to spend time with you, to be with you, and also to pray for one another. So, Lord, we're asking that uh, this, this spirit of prayer, Lord, this contending, Lord, for your will, Lord, that it would be contagious amongst this people, amongst this company, Lord, that we might be known as men and women that seek your face. So, Lord, we ask that you would move. I ask that you would prepare hearts even now in anticipation, in anticipation of what you Thank you for listening to this week's message. Our ministry is made possible entirely by the faithful generosity of people just like you. If you were blessed by this message and would like to partner with what the Lord is doing in Pagosa Springs, visit us online at www.opendoorpagosa.com. Here you can give, see our service times, and stay connected with Open Door Church. We hope to see you soon.